How many of you saw my wife's post this past week on Facebook about what are some memorable songs that, that you had as a child? How many of you saw that on Facebook? Give me a wave. Okay, and a lot of you guys put, put them in there and you guys said... Um, but I have to highlight one song this morning because last week I did this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And we're, we're talking about this new message series on coming out of the darkness into the light. And I really want to encourage all of you to come and be a part of it because God is really revealing some things to me going through this. And, and I love, I love how God works because the Spirit of God will guide and direct us if our hearts are receptive and open to it. He really wants to speak to us. He wants to use us, and he wants to change us. You know, if you think that in your Christian life, because you're 32 years old and you've already arrived, you haven't arrived. God wants to grow you, and he takes you through so much stuff in your life to make you different. And I know even in my own life, I feel like the Lord has taken me on a journey just in the last 12 and a half years of my ministry here at New Hope that has made me the man I am today. And uh, so with that being said, I just, I just want to encourage you um, to, to really try to grasp the journey that I'm going to take you on. And I always tell my wife this, I don't know if some of these messages are for the congregation, maybe they're for me. But you get to listen to them, right? And so as I go through it, the Lord convicts me and changes me. And I hope that the principles that are taught will change you as well. Um, but I love this song. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Keep me burning till the break of day. Then it goes like this. Sing, Hosanna, sing, Hosanna, sing, Hosanna to the King of Kings. Sing, Hosanna, sing, Hosanna, sing, Hosanna to the King of Kings. When I, when I saw that, Shira, I thought, give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning, keep me burning till the break of day. What did, that, what did that really say? Many of us have faced many dark moments in our life. We've been in dark places in our life. And when it says, keep me burning till the break of day, it made me start to think of some things in my life. I mean, think about break of day means there's light, right? So even in the dark moments of our life, we have to realize that, you know, it's in those moments that, Lord, help me to keep burning till the break of day. I know there's light ahead. And I didn't realize that. You know, as a little boy, give me oil in my lamp, keep me... Wait, wait, wait a minute. <clears throat> that was before puberty. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Give me oil in my lamp. You know, you know what's terrible for us guys? Don't you hate, you know, when, when you're young and all of a sudden, you know, I know you pick up the phone at home. That's when we all had landlines and you'd say hello. And I know I'm going off on it. This is an advertisement for this morning. But, um, and then all of a sudden you pick up the phone and you're like, hello. They're like, hi, Charlene. How are you today? I'm like, no, this is Todd. This is Todd. That's, you know what I'm saying? Then all of a sudden your, your voice starts to change. And they're like, oh, is this Gary, Todd, Tina, Tracy, Tammy? Who are you on here? You know, they don't even know who you are because you go through all that. I used to hate that. Charlene, no. I want to go, no, who are you talking to? But I couldn't get my voice that deep back when I was nine. And, uh, but I just want to say this, that many of us have encountered that big question. And I know you've heard it. Or you've even said it, man, that was the darkest time of my life. We've all gone through hardships. We've all faced suffering in our life. But I want to encourage you that this morning to stop and listen to the person. When one says to you that that was the darkest time of my life. Do we try or do we truly know or try to understand the journey that they are on? Better yet, do we really know how to listen, guide, and direct the person to understand that suffering? And see, I, I just feel like this message really resonates with me because and I'm going to share some stories this morning of some of my dark moments in my life. Some of those moments when change had to take place. But it changed me. So 
even though many of us have faced many dark moments in our lives, you ask questions like, why me, why him, why her, why us, why my family, why my church? Well, I want you to understand that you're not alone in your journey. God knows exactly where you're at. He knows how you feel, and he's not one bit worried about the outcome because our God sees and participates in your dark moments. All of us at some point will go through a dark place in their life. A sickness, a divorce, a loss of a child who breaks our heart. It's easy to get discouraged or give up on our dreams and think that that's the end. But God uses those dark places. And here's where we have to really write this down. Because they are a part of his divine plan. Those dark places are a part of his divine plan. Think of a seed. As long as a seed remains in the light, it cannot germinate. And will never become what it was created to be. The seed must be planted in soil in a dark place so that that potential on the inside will come to life. So that, so that the potential on the inside will come to life. In the same way, there are seeds of greatness in us. Dreams, goals, talents. There's great potential that will only come to life in. That dark place. It's amazing to think. Remember back when you were just a child, and they would take all of a sudden you get like a little styrofoam cup, and you're at you're at school, and all of a sudden they'll say like, "Here's your seed. This is a dandelion." I used to think to myself, "Why are we growing dandelions?" My mom hates those things in our yard. I hate them now in my yard. But you'd put that little dandelion seed in there, and it was in the dark. It was in the soil, and all of a sudden. You know, you'd have it in the classroom, and then all of a sudden when it started to grow, you know, you'd see that it would come up through the soil, but yet the top of it was bent over because now it needed light. Once it reached through the soil and maturity started to come in the life and it started to germinate, we started noticing growth. Same way as applied to our own life. You will never grow until you come out of that dark place in your life. Do you believe that? And this morning, will you receive that? I want to take those moments that you've bellyached over for the last 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, and I want you to let them go. I want you to know that you transition from darkness to light and that God truly wants to transform your life for his honor and for his glory. When you go through suffering even in a church, it's through that suffering that either we're going to all of a sudden step into the light and then start to see growth or we just die. So that's the premises of this message today, from darkness to light. Turn with me, if you would, please, to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Matthew five fourteen through 16. I read it last week, but I'm going to kick it off again this week because it is my favorite verse, and I have to remind myself every day of this verse. Verse 14 says this, You are light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. No. Oh, no, it's not in there. But on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. Verse 16 says this, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and to glorify your Father which is in heaven. We can't grow, we can't shine until we step into the light of Christ. Brother Ron Ankh, would you please pray over our message this morning? Thank you. Amen. Are you a little chilly in here? Can we? No. Pat, can you please kick that up to put it on 70? We'll warm everybody up here. Or we'll let the Word of God warm you up. 
Point one. Our dark moments bring us blessings. Our dark moments bring us blessings. I was a little boy. Saved at nine. Baptized at 13. Surrendered to preach at 15. And it all began. My change. And I'll never forget in my school life, and and many of you have heard this testimony, but I'll just share a portion of it with you. That it was during those moments in my life, even when I go back to, you know, my freshman year as I was sitting at the lunchroom table. And then I remember them, they had like a bag of pot seeds. And, you know, yes, I was 1985, not 1970. For you hippies that are in here, we, we still had pot and drugs were just as prevalent in, in our day as they are today. And uh, so they were throwing it back and forth. And I just remembered myself thinking to myself, what is going on here? And it was between my eighth grade year and my freshman year that things started to change. And I'll never forget that, that in those moments when I would take a stand and go, guys, what are you doing? Who got these pot seeds? Where did they come from? Why do you even have marijuana seeds? Why do you have a bag that's this big around with seeds in it? And, um, you know, and, and then my journey started as I, I began to be that light to my peers, a place where probably very, very uncomfortable for many of us. And I used to always think, oh, it was harder for me as a teenager than it is as me, for me as an adult. No, it's just as difficult for us to be a light to our peers in the workplace, to our peers at the grocery store, to our family members, as it was for me in the public school system. And so, you know, and I remember taking a stand and I remember, you know, just the persecution that I took and, and the hardship I took and, you know, just proclaiming the gospel, being in class and debating, you know, and this is so, I know this will crack some of you up, but, um, you know, as I would debate, you know, you shouldn't listen to Black Sabbath and ACDC and Motley Crue and all these other songs because they're just of the devil, you know, and, and I would just kind of emphasize that in my you know, in my little speech in the classroom, and then everybody was like, oh, the preacher boy, here he is again, just divulging all of his, you know, biblical standards into our life. And I, I, you know, as I look back on it, I wouldn't change anything because I really believe that I was challenged with so many. But I knew then that even in my life that, that after I was done, they would say, oh, sit down, preacher boy. Oh, shut your mouth. And they would use other choice words we won't use today, but they would always just criticize me for my stand in Christ. Then I remember my freshman year, my sophomore year, and I remember being in the lunchroom. And, and you, some of you have heard the story walking, going, where am I going to sit? What am I going to do? Who are my friends? I mean, wait a minute. I've been in this school system my whole life. What just took place? Wow. So this is what you get. I thought he was a Christian. She was a Christian. He was involved in his church, and they were involved in their church. And they, don't, they look at me and they're like, oh, here comes the preacher boy. And I don't want anybody else to think that I hang out with the preacher guy. Well, in reality, at the very end of the whole story, when the guidance office would call me up on the phone, or call the teacher up on the phone in the classroom and ask, can Todd please come to the class? We have some students here that need to speak with him. I would go to the guidance counselor's office would open up the word of God. I would say, what are you going through? Back then, even in my, my youth, I wanted to start a 1-800-HELP-A-YOUTH hotline for young people that were trying to commit suicide or going through some, some of the dark places in their life, some of the struggles in their life. And I realized right then as I was walking out of there, and, and you know, this was probably like the seventh time that, that I was called into the guidance office to be able to speak to some of these kids, and I was just a kid. I mean, I was 16, 17 years of age, but it was great for me to walk in. And I always loved walking by the secretary, and uh, she wasn't flirting with me, but she would give me this wink like she knew, you know, what I was doing. And then one of the guidance counselors, they would also, you know, they knew I was spreading the gospel even though they couldn't in their position. And so that whole time I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is just This is amazing. So I went for three years being persecuted to get to a place where young people really know that the light and love of Christ really resonates in me. Yeah, it was difficult. I'm not kidding. It was very difficult. And I used to think to myself, you know what? Wait a minute. Our dark moments bring us blessings. 
Well, the blessing became when all of a sudden I started noticing that within my peer groups, people were getting saved and they came to, to, to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. I then got involved with an after-school Bible study, got these kids involved with an after-school Bible study. I remember one night, this young lady by the name of Tony who, who uh, ended up calling our, our home and I was able to get on the phone with her, help her through just the discouragement, and she was going to commit suicide, got to school the next day. The guidance co- office called me back up on the, uh, in the classroom, on the phone, whatever it was in there, and I ended up going into the guidance office with the guidance counselor to discuss this young lady that just slit her wrists. And it was probably a turning point for me. You know, and she said, I need to tell you something. And I said, what is that? Thank you for listening to me last night. Thank you for picking up the phone. Thank you for being there for me. There was a young man who was a part of my youth group, and his name was Chris. When I first met Chris, Chris was um, just a kid. I always loved it. His hair hung down in his face to about right here. And, and I looked at him one day and go, what's with all the black? And today you guys call that emo or emu or whatever that is. Elmo, I'm not sure, but, you know, all these kids that wear the black clothing and stuff. And he said, this is the grunge look. And I said, oh, really? Okay, cool. And, uh, and I used to remember when, when I first met Chris that, you know, just the little journey he was going on as a teenager, he had a heart that was so soft and so kind and so loving. And I remember this young man with his hair hanging down in his face, 13, 14 years of age, All of a sudden, as I started ministering to this young boy, and as I started ministering to him, his hair went from his face, and then he would slick it back. Well, then he got that slick back, and I think it was real short around the the sides. And then I started to notice that his clothing went from black to blue, and all of a sudden, the radiant light just shone from his heart and his life. And I would have him go clean with me. We would hang out together. Many of you know who he is. It's Chris Steiner. It's Russ's son. And so as his youth pastor, I used to think to myself, man, I'm just going to pour and I'm going to pour and I'm going to pour and I'm going to pour into this young man's life. Who would have ever thought that in those dark moments, if I would have just given up and said, oh, God, these kids aren't worth it. They're not worth it. I'm not going to spend another day. All they do is ridicule me, persecute me, and, and, and I'm done. But then I was reminded that he went through Golgotha. Up to Mount Calvary, the place of the skull to die on a cross for me, to be persecuted, spit upon, rejected, and abused by his friends and foes that knew him. And today they bow their knee to him. And so in our walk and in our life, sometimes we don't realize that it's in those dark moments and those dark places that God changes us. I don't even know what your journey's been like. I don't know even know where you've been or what you've gone on. And for most of you, I do because I'm your pastor. But I will tell you this, that in your journey, take those dark moments and look at them as blessings. Look at them as moments where God then can take you, mold you, grow you, remake you, refashion you, just, I mean, twist you, bend you up and, and, and make you into his image and in his glory. We get down to Camp Chautauqua, Chris is with, with me, and I have a bunch of other kids that are with us, and, and uh, you know, there's a gazebo that's there, there's a bunch of kids, and I'll never forget, Chris looked right at me, him and Aaron, a couple of my youth that, have, you know, they've both gone on to be in the ministry, but um, they said, what are you going to do? I go, okay, here's our mission goal this whole week. We're now going to, we're going to minister to all of these unlovables. And all of a sudden, they're like, we're what? I go, yeah, our mission this week is see all those kids over there in that gazebo? And so I nicknamed them the gazebo kids. And I should have gone back in the archives, pulled up the video, and I had to show you. I interviewed all of them. It was a great time. We had, you know, they became stars and all kinds of stuff. And I'll never forget that moment when we first walked up there. And some of you have heard the story, but as I was standing, getting ready to go in the gazebo, they looked at me and they said, stop. You talking to me? I happen to be the adult here. You know, that's a, I go, oh, okay, what is it you guys want me to stop? This is just for us. We get together, all of us, that, that nobody else wants us in, in their youth group, in their church. This is our area. And I go, well, it's not now. And I go, thank God. 
I just stepped right up in that gazebo, sat down, and I said, man, I'm glad I'm part of your group. They don't want me in my church either. They, my school didn't want me either. I mean, I was rejected. I was alone. I know the feeling. I said, how about you, Chris? He goes, I know the feeling too. It is a terrible feeling. And it was right then that all of a sudden I saw these kids light up. So throughout the week, as I would call them the gazebo kids, I knew then that we were starting to shed some light. And now I'm going to fast forward. There are some things that happened throughout the course of the week that were awesome. But at the very end, I'll never forget, we all get in our vans. And I'll never forget that young man. And I'll tell you, when I was doing this message, I was thinking about this even yesterday morning. I wish I had the phone number of this young man to find out what happened to him. But he was just not a sharp-looking young man. Blonde hair (laughs) blew up on top of his head. It was a fro. Um, Just not desirable to look at. Probably six foot three, a hundred pounds, tall, lanky, skinny. Uh, But I I can still remember this when I close my eyes. And just the moment that was such a blessing for me. We're in the van and we start to pull out. And all of a sudden I see this kid with the blonde hair that blew up on top of his head. He was running and waving at us as we left and i stopped our van we all got out gave him a hug we prayed with him we don't know where he's at today we don't who knows he could have the largest church in columbus ohio i have no clue where he's at but it doesn't matter but i know this i was blessed and now i realize that in my dark moments had i not been able to go through some of those experiences as a teenager i would have never been able to understand the struggle that this young man was going through So when you think that, you know what, I can't believe my home life. I can't believe what I've gone through. I can't believe the circumstances that I've been in. I can't believe my parents were this way or my my stepdad was abusive or my mom was abusive or my dad was abusive or whatever the, the, the situation might be. Understand that God is now working all of that bad out for your good. So I started thinking about some biblical characters that are in the Bible. And the first one that came to mind was Moses. Moses made a mistake and killed an Egyptian man in Exodus chapter 2, verse 12. He spent 40 lonely years in the desert, feeling as though he had blown it. But in the dark place, something was being shaped in his life. He was being prepared, developing patience and humility, strength and trust. And without that dark moment or that dark place, Moses would have never held up his rod and parted the Red Sea. He would have never led the Israelites out of slavery and toward the promised land. You see, the dark moment or the dark place in his life was a prerequisite for him stepping into the fullness of his destiny. And it is a prerequisite prerequisite for us as well. See, we've missed it, church. A little orphan boy found in a basket. Almighty God spoke. Spoke to him. Moved within his life. And when you think that, well, you've hit the end of your rope, you haven't. You've, you've journeyed down the end of your You haven't. God is, will, and is currently working in and through you to move the city of Akron. Don't resign to the fact. Don't go back to the place where you were buried in that dirt. Maturity's already taken place. That seed has already germinated and you've started to grow. One of my favorite characters in the Bible is Esther. I love that Esther was just an orphan child and that she was the cousin of Mordecai. And yet Esther, many of you know the story, she found favor with the king. She was able to save the Israelites. She was able to save the Jewish people all because of her testimony. And to think, even though... She was an orphan child that she felt at one point forsaken and abandoned and was in a dark place that God used her mightily. And we know the story of Joseph. Joseph was betrayed by his brothers, falsely accused of a crime and put in prison, a dark place. But in the very end, after after finding favor, he ended up becoming a ruler of a nation. And he didn't sit back on his throne 
and say, can you believe what I went through? My brothers took my coat of many colors. No. I remember the story. And in the acronym of light, he showed hospitality. He loved his brothers. He imitated his father. Why are we not doing that? Man, I am so ticked off. I love misery. See, misery loves company. This is where I'm going to live. Esther didn't look at her situation and think, why would the king want me? Why would, why would Joseph say, why would they want me? When he was yanked up out of a pit, he didn't go back to the place of the pit. He said, you know what? I'm pressing forward. I'm going to gain the prize that's set before me. He didn't have to revisit that dark place. Elijah descended from a great mountain victory into a dark place of depression, so low that he wanted to die. Yet he's one of the heroes of the faith. David had an affair with a married woman, and then he had her husband killed in battle. But after an extremely dark time that followed in his life, David turned his heart back to the Lord, his heart back to the Lord, and is remembered as the man after God's own heart in 1 Samuel 13, 14 and Acts 13, 22. Hold on just a minute. This is David. And listen, I didn't walk over and say, here's your ticket to go have an affair. God's going to use me. You know, I had a man say that to me. It's because of my adulterous affairs that God's using me today. Okay. Wow. Okay. No, that isn't why we do what we do. So we justify our actions. That's not the case. In reality, it's this. That David got on his knees. And when we read the Psalms and we hear the cries of David, we understand why he became a man after God's own heart. Because you see, David was just this little shepherd boy. Here he was attending to his flock. And yet in the midst of it, his brothers are these big, strong, beastly men. And here's this little scrawny 15-year-old boy who's out there to fight giants and to keep these sheep. But yet he feels the call of God and he goes out and he faces his giant. Wait a minute. He was just a shepherd boy. And he could have gone back to the place and said to himself, you know what, I just... I'm comfortable where I'm at. I like where I'm at. I, I love feeling, you know, that, that I'm not valued to my father, uh, that I'm not valued to other people. I guess I'll just attend to my flock out here, keep up with my sheep. He didn't do that. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to become one of the greatest kings of all time. And he changed his dark place to a place where God was able to use him. And God used him mightily. You may not realize it, but it's in the dark places that you really grow. That's the place where your character is developed, where you learn to trust God and persevere, and where your spiritual muscles are made strong. In those dark moments, you pray more, you draw closer to God, and you take time to get quiet and listen to what he has to say in your life. In those dark places... And in those dark moments, you reevaluate your priorities. You slow down and take time for family. And you get a new appreciation for what God has given you. Wow. I hate dark places. I hate the rough times of my life. I have hated the struggles of my life. But it's in those struggles that now I look back and I see God really saying, here's what I'm doing in and through you. And just because you think you're 13 or 12 or 10 or 40 or 60, God still wants to use you and he's still trying to get your attention. You just have to understand that it's in those moments that God is reshaping you, redefining your life. Number two. Chains of iron will forever change you. Chains of iron will forever change you. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalms 105. Psalms 105, and we're going to read verses 17 through 22. Psalms 105, 17 through 22. Are you all with me this morning? Amen. Glad two of you are. 
105, verse 17 through 22. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters, he was laid in iron. Until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord, and tried him. The king sent and loosed him, even the ruler of the people, and let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his substance to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his senators wisdom. God always uses these dark moments and places in our lives. When Joseph was falsely accused and put in prison for 13 years, the scripture we just read said this. He was laid in chains of iron and his soul entered into that iron. In that prison, Joseph developed strength, a perseverance that he could not have gotten any other way. There's some lessons you can learn in the dark places. Quit complaining about what you're going through, about how unfair it is, or who did you wrong. It may be uncomfortable, and you may not like it, but it's working for your good. And it's working for your good. You're getting stronger. It's developing something in you that only you can get in the dark. You can't reach your highest potential being in the light all the time. To have no opposition, no problems, and nobody coming against you, for me, may sound pretty good. But it will stunt your growth. It will stunt your growth. Remember, don't complain about the dark times. There's a blessing in the dark places. God is working something in your life that can only be worked. In the fire of affliction. Romans eight twenty eight. We know all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. My journey. 19 years old. I get a job at Polar Water Company selling bottled water. And I have this beautiful, gracefully, wonderfully charming, eloquently spiritual Spoken, wonderful little lady called Leona. My wife was the office manager. She said they're looking for a salesman. I went in and applied, and I became their salesman. Then after she was not there, my sister Tina became an assistant to Leona. That's why she's over there laughing. And... Uh, and then my brother-in-law, Kevin, worked there as well. So we just kind of made it a family fun thing. They paid well, and we were all glad to be part of the Polar Water Company. How many of you like bottled water? So anyhow, I'll never forget, she would come in this big, smoke one cigarette after another, keep that cigarette in her mouth like because you could smoke back in the day and walk into people and talk just with your cigarette. Hey, you! Now I need to tell you salesman something! You're only this big. Why is your voice sound this big? She had to use that authority. And I used to remember to myself that, you know, Leona, listen, you can show some love and grace, really. We, we understand that you're two foot tall, and, it, and it's fine. You don't need to be as harsh and mean as you were. But she made me feel two foot tall after she was done. I shook when I saw her coming. We became great friends. And I knew then that in my life, you're always going to have obstacles. Not every boss is going to be full of sunshine and rainbows and skittles. It's not like that. Sorry, Todd. You're 19. It's time to grow up. And I'd be like, oh, thank you, Lord. I'm only in the office an hour every morning, and I'm out in the field. And I was so thankful for that. And then God ended up, you know, taking me on my journey. And, and I was so blessed to, to be able to, as, as I was selling this bottled water, I walked into this one account and, you know, uh, presented bottled water to this awesome company and this awesome couple. And one day I'm in my office at Polar Water Company. And, and while I was at the Polar Water Company, they ended up calling me up on the phone. And they're like, hi, Todd, this is Hal. And I'm with Vista. And I just wanted to find out if you're looking for a job. And I said, I'm not looking for a job, but what are you willing to pay? You guys have never been there, right? So anyhow, I'm like, wow, what did they see in me? This is awesome. 
And uh, so I went in, got the interview. They gave me like $7 an hour more than what I was making. We want you to run our brokerage department. Long story short, I went in and I started their telemarketing brokerage department, went into their other marketing department, ended up running the company at the age of 21 years old. And so I was like, I'm going to work, 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 work. Till one day, I, I was thinking to myself as I was in the office, work, 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 work. That's all I did. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, uh, how we're engaged. How will I ever see my lovely bride, Becky? And, you know, I'll be working 13 hours a day there at 7, leaving at 7, 38 o'clock at night because I am now a career person. Then all of a sudden, one day he comes in and his face is beat red. Beat red. And I looked at him. I thought, ooh, what just happened to this guy? And he did something that I knew wasn't good. When he was mad, the owner of the company would. And I would hear him coming. And I'm like, oh, man, you know what I wanted to do? I just wanted to dive down behind my desk. He's in the building, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody take cover. And I thought, what is going on here? Well, he would blow up. Blow up at me, blow up at everybody else, blow up at the other co-workers, just go crazy. And I thought, I'm too young for this. I'm just a baby. Well, they didn't think I was a baby at the time when I was the administrator of the company running it. So I was 21. I get married 1992, May 23rd. They come to the wedding. I get back off of our cruise, walk in. They said, we're going to put you out in the field uh, you're no longer going to be the administrator. The marketing man's coming in, blah, 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 all this other stuff. And I go, oh, okay. You know, not really. And uh, so I ended up leaving there. But here's what's so cool. It was, it, it was a, an employee uh, benefits company. They handled retirement plans, so on and so forth. So I gained so much education, so much information from there that gave me a wonderful job in Norton, Ohio. And because this is on the podcast and I have Facebook friends, my old bosses, we won't say their names, but they know who, I, who they are. Anyhow, we had a great time, and so I was able to join this company, and it was great. I mean, you go from a $35,000 salary, and all of a sudden you see the potential in this company, and you go all the way down to $6.12 an hour. Yeah. So I drove from Ravenna to this company for $6.12 an hour. Yes, I am. 47 years old, we're not talking 1922, we're talking the 90s. But I saw the potential, and before long, the company grew, and I took all my experience and helped the owners. They just started, that's all they could afford. And within a year, they gave us a pay raise, and they took care of me and all kinds of stuff. But I'll never forget, when I look back on that, I'm like, you are a nut job, Todd. Why in the world did you ever take a job for $6.12 an hour? But anyhow, I saw the potential. And I, I'll, I'll never forget, as I was there, there were partners. The one partner was awesome. Dick, when you hear this message, you know you're awesome. And then the other, the other guy was just crazy. And I thought to myself, why does he treat everybody like this? But hold on just a minute. Now, are you starting to see the ebb and flow of this story? So here's what happened. I would get in there, and, and the one guy would, I mean, this, it's crazy. Randy never walked at a speed of, let's just be chill and mellow. I always thought, that there was a fire or a German shepherd or a pit bull chasing his heels because the guy ran to his office, ran into my office, ran out of the office, ran into the bathroom, ran back out of the bathroom, and he, sp he spoke so quick that I thought I was just going to go crazy. Well, in reality, God placed me in this place. What was the company? We handled employee benefits. So as being their administrator, it, it introduced me to another place. In this other place, in my young career life, uh, I ended up thinking, wow, this is great, man. It's awesome. They've been, like, searching, seeking, all that. Todd, you need to come and work with us. You need to come work with us. You need to come work with us. And so I would go there. And one day, it was really bizarre. Because as I'm in, I go into work, the sales manager, who was my boss, and I was over health employee benefits, Todd, we need to see you in the boss's office. So I walk into the boss's office, and I sit down, and the one sales manager looks at me, and here is his words. We need you to understand something. And I go, what is that? You need to understand that if this man, X, Y, Z, says to you to jump off a bridge, 
you need to jump off that bridge. Did you just tell me that if he says jump off a bridge, I'll never forget it. I'm 25 years old now. And I thought to myself, jump off a bridge? I understand the level of trust. And that's what really what they were talking about. You know, if he says do it this way, do it that way, I'm like, fine, and I have been, and so on and so forth. But when he made the comment jump off a bridge, I said, Lord, have mercy. I need to get out of this company. And I did just that. And so God journeyed and took me to Lucerne which is in Boston Heights, Ohio. And, you know, I stopped and I looked. I was able to, when I was a little boy, I always wanted to run a, a huge company. It's something I wanted to do. So at 25 years of age, I ran a huge company, 500 employees in Boston Heights, and ran uh, Lucerne Products. And all this took place just in five, six years of my life. And so I was able to reach my full potential in the business world that I wanted to. And uh, matter of fact, you know, I think you and Wanda were sitting right next to my old boss, at the wedding, if I look back on pictures. But anyhow, because she was at our wedding. And uh, so, you know, when I, when I look back on, on some of this, I think, wow. So all of the hardship, all of the pain and suffering. How many of you are in pain and suffering at your job right now? <laughs> okay. I just had to say that because I, I'm just trying to re- relate with you and resonate with you. Um, all of that brought me to a place where I was able to walk in and be over the president, assistant to the CEO, being chauffeured in a Mercedes-Benz, had my own chauffeur, and I'm 25 years of age. They open up the door for me. I get royalty with this company, and it was, it was really, for a young man, it was fun, and it, it was exciting. But then it hit me. There was abuse that was taking place in, in that company, so we see it happening all the time, and I think there's more awareness today because of it. So you asked me this question. Why did you just share all that? I want to share something with you that the same criticism, the same obstacles, the same I I, I felt like injustice that was given to me and my staff or whatever from the owner of the company. It taught me that it was exactly what David had to go through. It was in that moment that his soul entered into the iron, the place that he was chained down, the place that held him hostage where he couldn't reach his full potential. And I knew right then at Lucerne, when the company caught on fire, they asked me to go um, to Boston Heights, I mean, um, Bolivar, Tennessee, to run that company. And I told them no. And there was a whole story with that, too. But because of time, I can't get into that. But I knew that those dark moments, that that had to stop. And that's when Tackett's Professional Cleaning started 24 years ago. And so we've, we've learned through this that our adversity and sometimes what we go through, if you'll stop and say, I am the person I am today, instead of looking at it as a curse, look at it as a blessing, you will grow. All right, last and third point, relief in times of distress. Relief in times of distress. Turn back, if you would, please, to Psalms chapter 4. I'm going to read Psalms 4, verse 1. Psalms 4, verse 1. And, and, you know, oftentimes as pastors, because I have been in the ministry for so many years, we have a way of relating to stories in the ministry. And I want you to know that I understand what you've gone through, too. And I know that you've also been in some dark places in in your workplace. And, uh, you know, we need to be what we should be and what we can be and could be by spreading the light of Christ. And uh, in Psalms chapter 4... Verse 1, it says, Hear me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. See, David said, God enlarged me in my time of distress. He didn't get enlarged in the good times. He was enlarged and grew when things weren't going his way. As a teenager, he wanted to be out having fun with his friends, but he got stuck taking care of his father's sheep. Even though he was out there in the field by himself, feeling all alone. That it was what helped him to become a champion. When David killed Goliath, the people called him an overnight success. But the truth is, it didn't happen overnight with David. It is because he went through the dark places with a good attitude. He went through the dark places with a good attitude. When he was getting his way, when he was lonely and felt as though God had forgotten about him. He just kept doing the right thing. And you see, he understood this principle. It was at the right time that he came out of that dark place with strength 
promotion and better off than he did before. It's no coincidence that David said in Psalms 23 that no matter where you're at, I can put my faith and trust in God. He leads me, what? To green pastures, through the still waters, and the valley of the shadow of death. So let's read Psalms 23 together. And I, and I want to share with you this truth that came to me this week. It's such a small little chapter. And then we'll, we'll close. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's asking you to trust him when you're in that dark valley, in that dark place, in that dark moment. He hasn't left you, and even though you may feel alone or maybe even abandoned and mistreated and you think that life hasn't been fair, but God is still leading you he's walking with you through it that dark place is a part of the plan to make you into who you were created to be it may not be easy you may not understand it but faith is trusting in god when life doesn't seem to make sense dare to believe that he's blessing you even in the dark places believe that what's meant for your harm is going to work out for your advantage death why Question mark. Why my mom? Question mark. Why my dad? Question mark. Why my son? Question mark. Why my daughter? Question mark. We ask these questions and, and we say to ourselves, why? And it's in those dark moments and those dark places that God starts to really shed light and we start to grow. As a young man, yes, people would ask me, please, you speak so eloquently to my family member at this, last, at this last funeral. Will you please come and do my loved one's funeral? And so I would go and I would, I would deliver a speech that would talk about heaven, the hope of heaven, the comforts of heaven, the comforts of Christ. He'll never leave you. He'll not forsake you. I knew what to say. In my father's house are many mansions. I knew all that stuff. But there was one thing I was missing. It was understanding the loss of a loved one. The loss of death. And how to really express that as a pastor to people that are mourning the loss of the person that they love so dearly and deeply. And I'll never forget dad died and I, and I watched that journey and I watched the power of the Holy Ghost upon that whole setting. And yet it was after that moment that all of a sudden he died and, and, and I was going to show this picture today but dad died and my wife ended up, I was holding his hand, we had prayed and he had expired and just that, that picture, oftentimes I'll just stop and reflect at that picture because I never understood grief. I never understood mourning. I never understood death. I didn't. And I would stand before people and say, I'm sorry for your loss. I understand how you feel. And I did not understand because I had never been in a dark place to experience those dark emotions that made me the pastor I am today. And it's because of that six months of being in a very, very dark place that I couldn't, I couldn't get out of it. I tried to come to church and I was, I, was, I was putting on my smile. I was grinning and I was shaking hands and I was trying to be the pastor that, that everybody expected me to be. And I would go home and, man, I loved naps. Naps, me and naps were best friends. Because I was so discouraged and depressed and, and I just couldn't find hope in the midst of my distress and my grief and my mourning. It was such a heavy, heavy time of my life. And 
one day, I remembered that somebody gave me this disc. It says, journeying through your grief and pain. Tim Cole is a psychologist, wonderful author. And I turn that thing on. And someone says on there, I know what you're going through. No, it was a narrative. And I, I can't remember who gave me that as a gift. Was it someone here at the church? And so then they went from that into, uh, in my life, Lord, be glorified. They would sing a song. Then the next one would go into, I know what you're going through. I lost my husband. I know what you're going through. I lost my son. He was in the military. And they would all share these stories. But don't be intimidated with that pain. Don't be inti- intimidated with that dark place in your life. And all of a sudden, I started feeling within my spirit, there was like this growth. And there, there was like my pain that was in the gut of my stomach. And, and, and all of that just started to leave me slowly to the point where when I was done with that, and I'm not kidding, I would get out of my bed, go over, pop it in my DVD player, close my bedroom door, sit and on that floor and listen to this DVD and I had listened to it several times because it was just a dark place in my life and I think am I going to go through this when mom passes I mean that was my thought I'd lost grandparents and a stepsister and loved ones and cousins and I mean we've had a lot of loss in our family so I say that to you to say to say this I swung those feet out around that bed that one morning and something snapped it popped And all of a sudden, there was light around me. It was no longer dark. And I knew that in that moment, in my moment of distress, in my moment of pain, in my valley experience, as Psalms 23 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thy rod and thy staff are with me. But I missed something so valuable. And here's what it was. If you look in the latter part of Psalms 23, which really resonated with me just here, Here's what he said, that when you go through suffering, guess what I'm going to do for you? Listen, my son, my daughter, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. I don't know what you've been going through, the ridicule in your school system. I don't know what you've been going through, the ridicule in your workplace, the ridicule in your church, the ridicule with your family members. Whatever it is, just know this, that in your time of distress, and even though your valley experience might be dark, I am setting up a table. And guess what? When it's all said and done, your cup's going to run over. So look at your... Look at the person next to you and say, your cup's running over. Think about it. I mean, really, when you think what you went through was so bad, know this, he already knows it. I always focused on the valley situation, the pain, the suffering, the the loneliness. And then all of a sudden, yesterday morning, I saw this part of the scripture. And he said, you don't worry about one thing. I'm walking through that valley with you. And when it's all said and done, guess what? We're going to sit down. We're going to sup. We're going to have a party. We're going to fellowship. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to let increase just pour out of your life into others. They're going to pour into your life. And your cup's going to run over. And you're going to bless and bless and bless and bless and bless and bless and bless people. Amen? So right when you think that God is done with you and he's finished with you, know this. That thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. And my cup runs over. So, in closing, and we'll be done. David went on to say, after you go through the dark place in the valley. Ready? And I love this. God will anoint your head with oil. He'll prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. And your, your cup will run over. Notice you have to go through the valley in order to have the table set before you. You have to go through the loneliness, through the sickness, through the betrayal before you get the fresh anointing and the new beginning. It's 2018. It is time to wake up, church, and let the Holy Spirit just anoint us and pour over us.
Glory. Hallelujah. I mean, really. Let that fresh anointing flow from the throne of God. Man, just not receptive to the new beginnings. Sometimes we have to go through the shepherd's fields, doing the right thing when the wrong thing is happening. You have to go through the job, even though you're not being treated right. Through the struggle, through the lack of, the debt, before you make it to where your cup runs over. Too often, we want the overflow, but not the valley. See, here's our prayer. God, give me more favor, more influence, more anointing. And God says, okay, but you have to be willing to go with me through the valley. I've learned in the last several months that is in the dark places. That's where we really prove to God what we are made of. Can God trust you with more of his favor, with more of his grace, with greater influence and more resources? Please, church, don't stay buried. Bloom where you're planted. Spread light where you're at. You have to be faithful in the shepherd's field where it is lonely and you're not getting your way. It's difficult sometimes, isn't it? But now I know something. I know something for sure. And this week, as I've embarked upon this journey, I want to take you on this journey. I think that test that I've been put through, not one test, because you heard me. I gave you a test from my youth. I gave you a test from my young adult life. You've seen tests in my middle-aged life. And I've learned this, that all that matters is that my cup runs over, that he gives me strength, and that he anoints me with power to do his work. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and to glorify your Father which is in heaven. This year, have a new and greater perspective. In those dark moments in the dark places, remember this. Those are opportunities for you to grow. You're not in a dark place by accident. If God weren't going to use it for your good, he wouldn't have allowed it. You may not understand it. It may not make sense to you. But God knows what he is doing in your life. So, the test let's pray Lord we love you and we thank you for your word Lord we thank you that even in our dark places Lord you radiate light Father thank you for a life of ministry thank you Lord for this week as next week we look at why the big question mark to the exclamation point Lord, we know you're in control. We just have to surrender to that place that we're in. Lord, you know even in my own life and, and being transparent, God, you know sometimes it's difficult for me. The humanistic side wants to just creep up and the monster wants to show. But Lord, I look back on my life and I know that even through the journey that I've been on, I've been very, very blessed. For Father, you've never left me. And now, Lord, you've given me a promise and you've given this church a promise that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that you will anoint our heads with oil. That you will give us strength. That you'll prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Lord, that you will, you will embrace us for fellowship And, Lord, that our cup will run over with more than we've ever anticipated or expected. So in the name of Jesus right now, God, I pray for increase in this church. I pray for increase in these lives. I pray for increase in their workplace, in their businesses. For some that have journeyed to take on a new venture this 2018 in the workplace, in a business. Father, right now, I pray that you'll prepare a table before them. And even though the days ahead might seem difficult, Lord, know that you are with them and that you're just setting everything up. 
to bless them with more than they could ever imagine. So God, we receive it today. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that your presence is with us. And Father, if there's someone here today that needs to come to the saving grace, Lord, may they come to you. If they don't know you as personal Lord and Savior, move out of their seat. Lord, let the Holy Spirit move and let revival take place. That's the beginning of you reshaping their life. So God, we thank you. Encourage us, Lord, and let everything we do, the air we breathe, the food we eat, the atmosphere that we're in, be for your glory. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.